0: David Spivey is one of our younger ministers. He pastors the Haven of Rest Bible Church in Galax, Virginia. This sermon was preached in 2012 at a youth revival that he held in Shelbyville, Indiana. He titles this sermon, Isn't it Time to Obey the Lord? I know you will enjoy this excellent message. Keep passing it on. Keep passing it on.
1: It's a true, true privilege for the Spiveys to be back to our home away from home. We love you, and we find it uh, just wonderful to be here in Shelbyville, Indiana tonight. It's a little different going into the house about an hour ago or so, and uh, a couple hours maybe now. Just uh, taking some time to finish preparation and pray. And frankly, tugs at my heart a little. But I'll say tonight I make no apology for following the Lord's will. And I intend, by his help and grace, step by step, to be obedient. To his perfect plan. The Lord uh, is very evidently working here. And uh, I thank God for that. But I thank God that he works in Mesa, Arizona. And uh, over the last six or seven months. We've watched the Lord move in convicting power. We've watched him move in providing for needs. We've watched him come in the same sense that you have, that we have here tonight, and watched him encourage the saints and stir those who are walking behind light. He's faithful tonight. It's beautiful to see these first few rows on either side. I love you guys. So glad you're here. It's good to see Levi and Caleb and Kent and Byron and Sister Debbie and... That crew that came to see us uh, just about, uh, what, two months ago? Man, time flies. But what a blessing as they uh, helped us there on our little mission field property to get some things done. And uh, we were just glad for your ambassadors. And then, of course, dear Brother Andrew and uh, his love to us and to our family and his visits, his communication... And then thank you to those of you who have just prayed for us and called once in a while. It's been a blessing. And just to know that you're holding us up uh, and we, uh, we are indebted to you. We're grateful for that tonight. Tonight my heart is burdened. Uh, I do have a message that I believe the Lord has given me for tonight. Uh, it's, a, it's a message I've preached before, but it's a message that I feel like is for this first night. Uh, Some of you, I met just about four and a half years ago Some of you young people may remember that Uh, The Lord, right about here The Lord, uh, I just felt the Lord give us a peace and a clearance about coming to Shelbyville Just uh, a little over four and a half years ago Right about somewhere where uh, Brother Smith's sitting uh, about a little over a year ago, I felt the Lord's clear call to leave here. But I'll say this, in that time, all of us are moving forward. None of us stays at the same place. Four and a half years ago, we were at one place in our lives, and you were at one place, and our paths came together, and six months ago or so, our paths separated for a time. But all of us are moving forward and all of us are making daily decisions that whether we like to think of it or not are affecting potentially our eternal destiny. And I just wonder tonight if you might, young people especially, but each of us, if we might just ponder this question, isn't it time to obey the Lord? Isn't it time to obey the Lord? Amen. If you'd open your Bibles tonight to Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 23. Thank you to all of you involved in picking up young people and the Smiths, just again, taking us in just like family. It's kind of how we feel. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to ask you to stand for these few verses that we're going to read. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, Choosing, catch that word, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured As seeing Him who is invisible. I'd like to ask Andrew Smith if you'd lift in prayer. Lord, we love you. Sense that you're speaking tonight. Bless your name. Bless your name. Bless your name. name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I didn't mean to leave out the glicks. I'm thrilled, thrilled that they're the ones working with us this week. And I mean that with my whole heart. Young people have, children have an all-consuming question. When am I going to grow up? When am I going to grow up? I mean, it's a passionate question in their lives. It's something they think about often. It's something that uh, no doubt at times uh, 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 fills their daydreams. It's something that already comes out in my interaction with my, uh, uh, four, uh, two of my dear treasures. It's a question of when will I be big enough? To do this on my own? When will I be able to make this decision for myself? Or when will I be as strong as daddy? You can understand that question. Looking back, I remember some of those questions in my own life. Some of the areas and kind of as they progressed in my own life. Questions like, when am I going to be as strong as my Uncle Ron? Remember when I was probably about Caden's age. Maybe six, seven years old. We went uh, from Portland Oregon, Portland, Oregon, all the way to Murdo, South Dakota, and we visited my my uh, my my mother's family, her brother, and my grandmother and aunt. And I saw my uncle Ron, first time I remember seeing him, and he was probably about six foot three. And to a six or seven year old boy, that's pretty tall. And he'd wear these T-shirts and. Coming out just below the cut edge, the end of the sleeve of his t-shirt, was a bicep that to me was pretty impressive. I remember thinking, wow, my Uncle Ron is strong. I'd love to have that kind of strength. When am I going to have muscles like that? I'm still asking that question. I'm afraid Brother Smith's not going to (laughs) happen. When am I going to grow up? I remember probably most young boys asked this question. When am I going to have facial hair? (laughs) Remember the excitement some of you men can remember the excitement when you realized peach fuzz showed up. (laughs) Wow. Couldn't wait for that first shave. What was it? What is it? It's a sign of becoming a man. It's a sign of growing up. That desire to be able to make decisions for myself. I remember... Uh, remember that desire to have a real girlfriend. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Well, poor boyfriend. Right, girls? That... That desire I think just about every young boy or young lady has it. just natural. Unfortunately, I remember my first real girlfriend, and it sure wasn't who I should have been dating. She was four years older than me, and I lied about my age, and by the way, after I got saved, I had to go back and make restitution about that. I think that wasn't embarrassing. Having a real girlfriend, I mean, actually be going out, dating. Yeah. What about driving? I'll tell you, young men, young women, there's just something about getting close to that age. Some of you have shared with me, I can get my permit now, or I got my license. Remember Caleb? Yeah. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah. I remember, probably by the story you'll see it was foolishly, but my parents, uh, because of my insatiable desire to drive, they would let me drive around our little Plymouth Champ when I was probably about 11 years old. Now, they wouldn't let me drive on the road, but they'd let me drive in parking lots. And I remember one day there in Portland, Oregon, we had come early to pick up my dad from work. It was a pretty large parking lot. At least I remembered it being large. You know how it is when you're young. And my mom would let me drive the car around in the parking lot while we're waiting for my dad to get off work. And it was a, a little four-cylinder car, just a tiny little thing, but it was, a, it was a, probably a four-speed uh, manual uh, shifting vehicle. So here I am, 11-year-old boy, learning how to drive a car, driving around this parking lot. And the thing about being young is you don't really understand all the implication and consequences. And I remember coming around the far side and making a left-hand turn, and if I remember correctly, I got into first and was bold enough to shift it into second and came around what I'll call the final corner. And my trying to push the clutch in, Gordon, and... To turn the corner and all that. I don't even remember how it all happened. But there was an area they had where motorcycles could park. What they had there is they had these probably about three-foot posts. And as I came around that corner, I didn't come around it enough. And the front end of our car collided with one of those posts and bent it forward and bent our bumper in. And I'll tell you, I thought the end of the world had come. 11-year-old, I remember, 11-year-old boy driving a car wrecking in my father's parking lot, my father's work parking lot. What was it? By the way, I didn't stop driving after that. I got my courage up again. What was it? It's that desire to grow up, to do the next thing in life. I remember working. 14, I started my first job mowing lawns with Reuben Weiss there Phoenix, Arizona at the Bible Missionary Church. Making $3.50 an hour. Wow. Having my own money. Remember the first time, thankfully the only time, I smoked a cigarette. See, a lot of times young people get the idea that if they can just do something they've seen an adult do, Smoke, drink, act a certain way with women or men. If I could just do that, I'd be big. I'd be an adult. I'd be something. Others would look on me and think, I'm cool. I'm it. I've arrived. I remember that as we were on, unfortunately, a school field trip for a Christian school. Three of us fellows got alone, and one of the fellows pulled out a pack of cigarettes. So thankful is my only one, Sister May. For years down the road, I was there in some of the final years of my grandmother. My grandmother, Margaret Osborne, who smoked for 30-some years. In the final 15 to 20 years of her life, she suffered with a horrible disease called emphysema. Young people, I wish, I wish I had a way just to show you a little glimpse of what my grandma would go through every single day. As she'd wake up in the mornings, and this is disgusting, but as she would begin to try to get the phlegm out from her lungs, she couldn't get rid of the air that was trapped in her lungs, and she'd cough, and she'd hack, and she'd... It was miserable. It was horrible. She'd be on her machine and finally get up with some measure of strength and get cleared enough where she could kind of begin the day, but... Eventually just had to be on oxygen 24 hours a day. What is it? It's the consequences of wanting to grow up that we don't see at the beginning. My grandma, who's now, I believe, in heaven. My grandma could look back or could change things. I'm sure she'd go back and she'd never touch that first cigarette. I'm talking about the desire, the insatiable desire to grow up. Being your own boss, making your own decisions. On our way here, we stopped at a uh, rest area, or excuse me, a truck stop in the middle of, uh, I think it was in New Mexico. They had some kind of a car sign that said something like this. I'm paraphrasing slightly, but it said something like this Teenager, tired of being mistreated and controlled by your mean, dumb parents? Take action now, move out. Get a job and pay your own bills. Some good advice to that. I don't understand. I don't like how it's worded per se. But there's a point there. There's this insatiable desire among you young people. And it's natural to want to do the next thing in life. To want to grow up. The scripture says in this passage that Moses, when he was come to years... When he reached the point where it was time for him to make his own decision. Now, don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean he wasn't to ask anyone else. That doesn't mean he shouldn't seek counsel from anyone else. But it does mean that the responsibility of the decision laid squarely at his foot or his feet. It was Moses' turn to decide. Boy, isn't that exciting? Wouldn't you like to be there? Some of you would say, yes, absolutely. This evening I want us to cover, if you go to verse 24, it says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Number one, I want to recognize tonight that Moses made a refusal and a resolution. He made a refusal and a resolution. Let's talk about that. First of all, we find in verse 24 that it was made with maturity. Maturity. Someone, someone has said, we all have to get older, but we don't have to get mature. <laughs> well, that's true. How many adults have you seen that, frankly... They were just immature babies in 50-year-old bodies. It's true. But see, Moses' decision was made when he reached the age where he recognized it was time to make some... Catch this, young people. It was time to make some serious decisions in his life. No more playing around. No more living just to have fun. But it was time to get serious about this matter of where my life is headed. It was made with maturity. Someone said maturity. Maturity is seen when your your care for others begins to outgrow your care for yourself. I think that's a pretty good definition. Someone said, and this can encourage some of us, you're never too old to grow up. It's nice. Human beings, human beings begin, human beings grow by striving, working, stretching, and in a sense, human nature needs problems more than solutions. Why are not all prayers answered magically and instantly? Why must every convert travel the same tedious path of spiritual discipline? Why is that? Because persistent prayer, fasting, study, meditation are all designed primarily for our sake, not God's. Kierkegaard said that Christians remind him of schoolboys. Schoolboys who want to look up the answer to their math problems in the back of the book rather than work through them. Ouch. (laughs) We yearn for shortcuts. All of us do. But shortcuts usually lead away from growth, not toward it. Apply the principle directly to Job. What was the final result of the testing he went through? One man observed, faith like Job's cannot be shaken because it is the result of having been shaken. What I'm talking about, young people, is this. That you and I are called to begin to get serious about making decisions that affect the destiny of our lives. It's not time anymore to fool around with that boyfriend or girlfriend that you know in your heart is leading you away from God. You know it. You get giddy, you get silly about it, but frankly, you know that if you're ever going to make it to heaven, it's not a girl or a boy like that who's going to help you get there. Amen. Amen. I and mean, it's talking about things on what you look at. What you look at when you're online. And I trust some of you, if you're online, that you're getting serious. If your parents don't care, then I trust you get serious about having some people in your lives. And they're right here who do care. And who you can be accountable to. Accountable simply means that if you get into trouble, you can go talk to them. Or hopefully talk to them before you ever get in trouble. Amen. And parents... Adults, let's do our job and get serious, get serious about doing our best to protect our children and our young people. Amen. Let's be serious. But I'll tell you, God, just in the last couple of days, God dealt with me about something that I was careless about. I said, Lord, forgive me. He just opened my eyes and I just saw how I just kind of moved past something. Not really, not really, uh, taken enough serious action about correcting it. I thank God for that. I just said, Lord, forgive me, and that'll be different. And young people, the reality is we're living in a world full of sin and darkness and things that appeal to your flesh, but when you partake of them, they begin to bind your flesh. And you look around, you look around at young people in your school, young people in your family, and they've gone down that road, you've watched them go down that road, and you see where they are now. And in your heart of hearts there's something that says, I really don't want that. But I'll tell you, the only way to not get that is by doing something radically different. I'll tell you, Moses got radical about making some serious decisions in his life. And young people, God is calling you tonight to get radical about making some serious decisions. Some of you young people are some of you young people tonight are playing around with things. You're listening to music that is wicked and wretched. You're doing it behind the backs of your parents. Unfortunately, some of you have parents that don't care if you listen to it. I'm not trying to knock your parents. Don't misunderstand. I'm just saying, thank God for adults. Thank God for parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles who do their best to protect and guide. It's not all about protection, but guiding and training their young people. But young people, some of you are in difficult situations. And my heart's burden for you tonight. You're in situations where it doesn't seem like there's much of anybody who really cares the direction you're going. Not saying they don't love you at all, but they just they don't have a concept themselves. And, but you know, as I've said, some of you have been around here for years. You've been, you've been coming to this church longer than Pastor David's been around here. And you've heard some truth, and your heart's been convicted, and some of you have sought the Lord right here, right here. And tonight, God's saying... Child, young man, young woman, it's time for you to get serious about this. I was 14 years old when God finally got a hold of me and said, David, it's time to get serious. I'll tell you, my life's never been the same. Young people, it's time to get serious about this. Yes. You get, you're starting, especially some of you as you're getting older. You are starting to get to make more and more decisions. Some of you basically make your own decisions. But I'm here to tell you tonight, there are consequences to those decisions. Some wonderful consequences. I thank God for wonderful consequences in my life. I'm living some of them. My life is full of blessing because of wonderful consequences of good choices. But just as wonderful and good as those consequences are, There are broken lives all around us today that are simply the result of decisions that they never should have made. Moses' decision was made with maturity. That means he began to look past just the here and the now. It was made with clarity. He refused to be called... The son of Pharaoh's daughter, scholars tell us it's likely was Thermutis. He forfeited his position on Thursdays in the uh, Metro Phoenix area, in an area called Paradise Valley. This area is one of the richest zip codes in the nation. But over the last few weeks, I've been working with the fella. He and I have been going together. He's been in training for me. We go and we service swimming pools early in the morning. We go and we check the chemicals in them and uh, run the pump, make sure it's working correctly and clean out any junk and just, just basic little maintenance. We come in early in the morning, move on. Thinking of one house in particular. This house is set up on the backside of a mountain called Camelback Mountain. Maybe some of you guys remember that mountain. Camelback Mountain, set up on the back side. Kind of begin to drive up to this property and there's multi-million dollar homes on both sides of the street. You pull up just past the driveway. In Paradise Valley, you don't park in their driveways. You park on the street. Maybe a few do, but I've been told not to. Walk in behind this beautiful house that you've been able to see most of it as you've come up the road. and we walk behind the house and we get into the backyard, and it's built on a mountain, so there's about two or three levels. Going into the backyard, the first thing I see, basically, Charles, besides the beautiful view, is I see a sauna. A sauna made, just open, there's a canopy over it, but a sauna that looks out over this beautiful view, made of, of iridescent glass. And it kind of spills over into nothingness. There's a retention, but if you just look at it, if you're in it, it looks like it just spills right over into the valley. And then, it's like a little, almost like a hot tub thing. And then as you go down to the next level, there's a, there's a pool made of the same glass, and in it is a beautiful design. And as you're down there, you begin to look up at this house, and it's beautiful. And that's just one of his homes. And I think about that. It's hard for me to imagine that kind of wealth. These are people that just live there at this multi-million dollar house. They just live there a few months out of the year. They've personally had, once they bought the house, had it completely redone. And Moses... Stepped away from something, Brother Smith, that was even far greater than that. I mean, you talk about counting the cost. And young people, this week the Holy Spirit is going to be speaking to you. In fact, some of you, he's already begun to speak to you about counting the cost. For you see, following the Lord Jesus Christ does cost. You want it to. Absolutely all of us do. We appreciate something that has value that we have to actually do a little work for. Don't misunderstand, we don't work for salvation, but it does require our obedience. And as the Holy Spirit begins to pinpoint areas and details of our lives, he calls us to a place of letting go entirely. He calls us to a place of forsaking all sin. Amen. And Moses came to that place when he was come to years, when he became a young man, It was time for him to begin to do assessment on his life. And he began to look at the two options, if you please. By the way, Scripture, young people, only paints for us two options. There's a place called heaven that every sane individual wants to be at. There's a place called hell that no matter who says they want to be there, no one in their right mind, if they really knew what it was like, would want to be there. a serious truth but the scripture paints it that clearly and Moses made this decision recognizing what it was going to cost him moving on, Moses made this decision, to catch this Moses made this decision when the people of God were at their least appealing point Moses didn't make this decision when they had just taken Canaan land No. Moses made this decision when God's people were slaves. He looked on and said, listen, there's something about those people that even though they don't have a lot of money, that was an understatement, even though right now they don't have their freedom, God's headed somewhere with that group. And something inside of him said, I want that. I'll tell you, I've seen it amongst In some of your eyes, I've seen in some of your, heard in some of your testimonies, some of you young people. Yes, there's a battle going on. Yes, there's a struggle. But some of you recognize that there's something that a sister Mildred may have. There's something that a brother Andrew has or others that are investing in your life. There's something they have, even though at times you get upset with them. But there's something they have that's kept you coming back. That has you here tonight. There's something, and while you see them, and you don't really understand sometimes maybe the way they dress or some of the things they've had to, that they've given up or some of the things they do or don't do, you may not understand all that, but you recognize that there's something they have with God that you deep down really want. And Moses went through that. As he was realizing it was time for him to make the decision. He said, listen. Those people, they may be slaves. They may not have much compared to what I'm living in. But I'll tell you, they have a God who is everything. Young people, I hope that God helps you, even this week, to weigh those kinds of thoughts in your mind. And allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to you about letting go of your ideas for your future. Letting go about your little dreams, your little boyfriend, your little girlfriend, your little pet sin. Begin to let the Holy Spirit bore down and get you to a point where like Moses, you make a decision that will affect your eternal soul. Amen. Finally, it was made when sin and the world looked the most appealing. Not only did God's people look terrible to him at that point in some ways, but sin looked wonderful. It had to. He had it all. Power, fame, authority, success, women. I was with some of these fellas back in late November. November. We took the time to drive to Scottsdale, Arizona, and took these fellas to a dealership where they sold Lamborghinis. If you don't know what a Lamborghini is, it's just an expensive sports car. They had Ferraris, and they just had, I'll tell you, some of these fellas got pretty excited, took pictures. They loved to have been behind the wheel just sitting there, not even driving it, just sit behind the wheel. What is it? It's appealing. It's cool. It's fast. It's expensive. It's a status symbol. And frankly, we can't help at times be drawn to some of that. I think they look cool. I think it'd be fun to drive one. Move past the thought of ever owning one. (laughs) I'll tell you, Moses, in his day, there weren't Ferraris. There weren't Lamborghinis. But there were a lot of things that appealed to young men. I guarantee you that. Nothing's different except... Just what they're called. And that day there were things that when Moses looked at him, he thought, wow. Not only do I have some far off thought of possibly having that, but I could have it. And the reality is some of you young people, if you put your mind to some things, you have some gifts, you have some abilities, you put your mind to it, there's a lot of things in this life, a lot of stuff, a lot of material things that you could have. You could work hard for it. You could achieve it. You could attain it. I'll tell you, Ravi Zacharias says, there's no lonelier place than to have worked hard, reached the zenith, the top of what you thought success was all about. Reach the top of that and realize it's not what you thought it was. And young people, all you need to do to realize how empty that lifestyle is is look at the people that you already know about. The the movie stars, the sports players, the music artists. What's their life full of? Is their life full of happiness? Momentarily it is. But their life is full of brokenness. They have messed up marriages. They have drug addictions. They die, I think, uh, a year or two ago, I did a study on some of the music artists who've died premature deaths. And their lives by their own admission. Their lives by their own admission. They look like they have everything. Levi, they have the Lamborghinis. (laughs) They look like they have everything. But by their own admission, they're lonely and empty. And somehow, through the glamour of it all, Moses looked on and said, I see that there's emptiness in living as Pharaoh's grandson. Yeah, there's some fun. Yeah, it's cool to drive that kind of chariot and own this kind of horse and have this kind of prestige. And by the way, Jewish historians tell us that Moses had gained prestige by this point. He was looked up to. Yeah, there's a measure. There's a measure of pleasure. There's a taste of something good in that. And by the way, sin to this very day has its pleasure. What appeals to you may not appeal to me. I think of it, uh, I, I like chocolate. Many of you do. But I have a six-year-old boy who literally says no to chocolate. Can you imagine that? But he does. I like coffee. My wife, to this day, hasn't seen the enjoyment, hasn't tasted the enjoyment of a good cup of coffee. And then when you put coffee and chocolate together... See, what what appeals to you may not appeal to me and vice versa. But all of us have areas in our lives that Satan uses to try to distract us from going God's way. But a mature young man, a mature young woman sees past the fluff, sees past the glamour of the outside and begins to see that deep down there's some emptiness there. There's a lack of real purpose and direction. One of the greatest men who ever lived, King Solomon... If you look at Ecclesiastes, I believe it's chapter 3. Solomon lists what he did in his life. And guys, he did it all. Whatever you're thinking about, he did it. He did it. And he says, I came to the end of it all. And I found out it was vanity of vanities. It was all empty. What was his reasoning? He realized that in looking at the rewards... that the Jewish slaves at the end were going to have it far better. That's an understatement. They were going to have everything and Pharaoh's house was going to have nothing. Young people, could I challenge you tonight? Would you do your best for your short-sighted vision? I don't criticize you that way. That's just part of being young. We just have short-sighted vision. Would you let God begin to stretch your short-sighted vision and begin to show you that down the road, the decisions you're making now are going to... Fa- it's amazing now. I'm 37 years old and I can look back and see decisions I made and how greatly they affect where I am today. For good, for bad. Young people, God's, the Holy Spirit is faithful to speak to you right where you are. they'll speak to you and say, son, daughter, child, the road you're headed on is wrong. And it'll lead you to hell. But if you'll follow me, if you'll take what we call the narrow way, if you'll esteem or value the reproach, the others looking on you sometimes are going, you're doing that? You're a Christian? You feel like you got to go to church all the time? You love the Lord? You don't dress like that anymore? You don't listen to that music? What's your problem? Sure, you are going to face some of that. Absolutely. You might as well know the cost right up front. Especially some of you. I'll tell you, Moses, he counted the cost. Knowing that it was going to cost reproach. Knowing that he was giving up all that stuff. And I'll tell you, he found treasure. The Young people, it's hard for you sometimes to grasp this, but the Holy Spirit can show you this. He found treasure that far outweighed the coolest Lamborghini, though it's cool. He found treasure that far outweighed that cool relationship, that cool outfit, whatever it is that is enamoring you right now. He found a joy and a peace and a purpose to life. Did he have his ups and downs? He sure did. But I'll tell you what God put him on the direction towards heaven, and Moses faithfully walked with God until the very end. Wow. A world class woman runner was invited to compete in a road race in Connecticut. On the morning of the race, she drove from New York City following the directions, or so she thought, given her over the telephone. She got lost, stopped at a gas station, asked for help. She knew that the race started in the parking lot of a shopping mall. The station attendant also knew of such a race scheduled just up the road and directed her there. Remember, she's a world-class runner. When she arrived, she was relieved to see in the parking lot just a few number of runners preparing to compete. Not as many as she had anticipated. It would be an easier race. Wouldn't really cost her that much. As she had expected. She hurried to the registration desk. Announced herself and was surprised by the race officials excitement. At having such a renowned runner. At their race. No they had no record of her entry But. If she'd hurry and put on the number, she could make it just before the gun went off. She ran, and naturally, she won easily. Some four minutes ahead of the first male runner. Only after the race, when there was no envelope containing her sizable prize and performance money, did this professional runner realize that the event she'd run was not the race that she had intended to run. That race was being held several miles farther up the road. And now, because of her confusion, because of getting the wrong directions, she'd forfeited the race she should have been at and lost the prize. Young people, the devil's doing his best to give you substitutes. He's trying to get you confused about it, what it means to serve God. He's trying to put various voices in your head, influences in your life that will distract you, that it will turn you down a different road. But if you'll get serious about this, the Holy Spirit will be faithful to show you the right race to get in the race that will lead you to a place called heaven, a place you'll never regret being at. I'll finish with this this quote. Robert Frost in his poem, Road Not Taken, he ends it this way and he says, I shall be telling somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverge, two roads split in a wood, and I I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. Young people, the choices you make even this week, I'm not just trying to be sensational here, but the choices you're making even this week as the Holy Spirit moves upon your hearts is going to make a profound difference on where you end up for eternity. Let's stand. I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't
0: want to lose the fight. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch holiness convention featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at IHConvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855-USA.